Gets it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman. Blocked by Polak and Price. Another spectacular stop. Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson. Marcel with the open net and he scores. Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We have got many different things to discuss on today's show. We'll talk about the slumping Anthony Beauvillier and some of the other Islanders players that are struggling offensively. And unfortunately, as we know, this has been a problem throughout most of the season. We'll also talk about the Move last week made with Joshua Hosang that will, for all intents and purposes, end his tenure with the Islanders organization. We'll preview tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens, and we'll have a look back at a big win for the Islanders in their very first season in the NHL, and there were only 12 of them all year. So this one uh, actually kind of a rarity. Uh, for the Islanders, and we'll look back at that. Don't forget, if you have a question or a comment or a topic you'd like us to discuss, you could email us your question or comment, the email address, lockedonislanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we'll be happy to mention you on the air when we discuss your topic or read your question. Also, uh, you could follow the show on Twitter and contact us on Twitter, the address at lockedonisles. And you could follow me, your host, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. All right, let's start off with the slumping Islanders. And look, when you're coming off a shutout in your last game, a shutout loss for that matter, nobody is uh, on a hot streak right now. Nobody has a scoring streak. But some of the Islanders' key offensive players, obviously, in a bit of a slump. Look. Anthony Bavillier don't need to single him out per se, but in his last 10 games, one goal, one assists, and, uh, you know, a couple of real bad plus-minus games. He was minus three in the loss in Nashville back on February 13th, minus three in the game against the Rangers last week, and he's been a minus in the last three games, also a minus one against both. St. Louis and Boston, but again, when you got a guy like Bavillier, who is a top six forward, and who was being very productive earlier, I mean, you know, not that long ago, uh, had a little bit of a hot streak going, now he gets cold, that's a problem, and outside, realistically, right now, of uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, uh, not a lot of Islanders on a hot streak at all, and it, it's time, quite honestly, for the Islanders to start finding ways to get more pucks at the net and cash in on those opportunities. Unfortunately, too many times we have seen the Islanders pass up quality scoring opportunities 
to make that perfect pass or try to make that perfect pass. And, you know, the old cliche in hockey, and Wayne Gretzky obviously said it best, and he should know, you don't score on 100% of the shots you don't take. And right now the Islanders need to get more pucks on net and they need to get bodies in front of the net and get deflections and get rebounds. Look, there are not too many people, not too many players on this team who are elite snipers. In fact, right now, I would say there aren't any players on this team who are elite snipers. The Islanders just don't have those kind of players on their roster. There is no Pat LaFontaine. There is no Zygmunt Palfi. There is no Mike Bossy. And yeah, you know, two of those three guys are Hall of Fame talents. So obviously there, you're setting the bar pretty darn high. But at the end of the day, the Islanders don't even have a a 30-goal scorer on their roster. And that doesn't mean they can't be effective and win hockey games. It just means they've got to score more goals that are, you know, goals you work for. And they don't have those right now. They're not getting that job done. And look, some of the guys are having disappointing seasons. I point to Anders Lee. Lee, last year, you know, much more productive than this year. And if I would have told you at the beginning of the season that, you know, through 64 games, and Lee has played in all of them, Anders Lee would have 19 goals you would certainly not be, you'd be disappointed if I told you that at the beginning of the season. Last year, 28 goals. The year before that, 40. And the year before that, 34. Uh, I would like to see Lee get at least up to 30 before the season is over, but that is now going to require him, you know, to get 17 goals in the last, uh, or 11 goals, rather, in the last 18 games. Is that doable? Absolutely, if he gets hot. But unfortunately, right now, he's not. And the team, you know, Lee, to me, has been the poster boy for a player who goes to the net and who gets those deflections and those rebounds and those tips. But right now, the goals just aren't coming. But ironically, the shots are. Last year, in 82 games, 204 shots. The year before, in 82 games, 208 shots. His big 34-goal season in 2016-2017, the 34 goals came on only 191 shots. Through 64 games this year, he already has 182 shots. But they're just not going in. And his 10.4% shooting percentage is his lowest shooting percentage since 2015-2016, and it is the second lowest shooting percentage of his NHL career. And look, sometimes they go in and sometimes they don't. You know, the, the theory is the law of averages eventually averages out, but the Islanders have to work for it. They have to take more shots as a team, get in front of opposing goalies, get quality shots, because right now the standings are awfully tight in that Metropolitan Division, and the Islanders need to pick up their game if they hope 
to make the playoffs and then advance in the playoffs uh, as we reach the stretch drive in the National Hockey League. All right, we will come back. We'll discuss the fate of Joshua Hosang. We will also preview the game tonight against the Canadiens and look back at a big win from the Islanders' first season on this date in Islanders history. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so last week, the Islanders making a move that I don't think really should come as a surprise to anybody. Uh, They assigned forward Joshua Hosang, their former first-round draft pick, to the San Antonio Rampage of the AHL. Now, the Rampage are the AHL affiliate of the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. Technically, right now, Hosang is still a part of the Islanders organization. He is property, so to speak, of the New York Islanders. But here's the thing. He is not going to be in or around the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. He is not going to work on the ice with other Islanders prospects. And quite honestly, at this point, the odds of him ever suiting up for the Islanders are somewhere between slim and none. Now, look, I don't want to knock Josh Hosang. I like the kid. I've interviewed him a number of times. I like his confidence. Uh, But that being said, Josh Hosang is just not a good fit in the Barry Trotz-Lou Lamarillo system. Trotz and Lamarillo emphasize playing strong in your own zone first, being defensively responsible, playing within a very disciplined system. And, you know, Josh Hosang is about moving the puck, deking, faking, dangling, uh, improvising. And that's just not necessarily what the coaching staff and management is looking for right now on their roster. Look, he was the 28th overall pick back in 2014. He is now 24 years old. He has played a grand total of 53 NHL games, seven goals in his career, 24 points. And even in Bridgeport, has not been the most productive guy in and over the course of his career. 2017-2018, played 50 games in Bridgeport, 8 goals, 31 points. Did a little better the following year in 56 games, 8 goals, 43 points. Those aren't terrible numbers, especially the assists, but not what you've been looking for. In 16 games with Bridgeport this year, 3 goals, 10 points. And that's, again, not terrible. And when you consider he was coming back from being... uh you know, not suspended in the sense that, uh, you know, the team, uh, you know, sat him down, but basically he, he asked for a trade. They didn't give it to him. He stayed away. He returned. Now he's with San Antonio in his first two games, a goal and an assist. So seems to be playing fairly well, at least early on. And obviously two goals is a very small sample size, but At the end of the day, Josh Hosang is a square peg trying to fit into a round hole. And the Islanders would be better off finding a suitor for him during the offseason, let him play 
you know, in San Antonio, let him advertise to other AHL and NHL scouts what he's capable of doing, and maybe somebody will take a flyer on him. He certainly has the talent. He certainly has the skills. Hopefully he matures and learns the discipline because that is part of what's keeping him from the NHL right now. And he's a good kid, and you want to see a kid like him succeed. But right now, you know, just not a good fit on the Barry Trotz, Lou Lamorello philosophy. And, you know, maybe he finds a home in Ottawa, or maybe he finds a home, you know, with another NHL team that needs offensive production, playmaking, goal scoring, because, you know, if you think about it, here are the Islanders right now, 23rd in the league in goals scored, hurting for offense all season long, and yet they have no interest whatsoever in bringing up Josh Hosang, and eventually they actually assign him to San Antonio. Clearly, you know, this is the end of the line for Josh Hosang in the Islanders organization. I wish him well. I, I really, really do. But, uh, you know, that's going to do it for Josh Hosang as far as the Islanders are concerned. And and if you're Lou Lamorello, you just hope you can get something in return for him in the offseason. Uh, a, a draft pick of some kind, maybe another player who fits your system better. Uh, even if it's somebody who's only going to play, you know, the majority of his games at the AHL level, because Josh Hosang wasn't going to do much more than that for the Islanders either. And yeah, it, it's a disappointing gamble. But you know what? When the Islanders traded up to take Hosang, his reputation preceded him. A lot of talent. Not sure if this kid uh, will fit into a system very well. They took that gamble on the talent. This one, at least as far as the Islanders are concerned, doesn't look like it's going to pan out. Maybe a fresh start in a different organization is the key to future success for the Toronto native Josh Hosang. I hope so. I, I, I really do hope so. Meanwhile, another update right now on Casey Sezikis. He is still probably about two weeks away from being able to return. He's probably a week away from skating, uh, and then he'll almost certainly be sent down to Bridgeport, much like Cal Clutterbuck was. Let him play a game, two games, you know, for the Sound Tigers, and uh, hopefully that helps get him back into hockey shape. And from there, uh, he will rejoin the team, and finally, after what will probably end up being six weeks, give or take, uh, that fourth line of Clutterbuck, Martin, and Sezikis will be reunited and just in time for, let's say, the last 12, 14 games of the season, get them ready for the playoffs. That would be a big addition to the Islanders to solidify their bottom six, solidify their penalty kill, and uh, and really help this team down the stretch. So, Keeping an eye on Sezikis, and as always, here on the Locked On Islanders podcast, we will have every update 
uh, as to his rehabilitation, his recovery, and his eventual return to the ice. All right, we're going to step aside when we come back. We'll look at this date in Islanders history, plus we will preview tonight's game against the Canadiens. More to come here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we go back to this date in Islanders history, March 3rd, 1973. We're coming toward the end of the Islanders' very first season in the NHL, and they take on the Vancouver Canucks at the Nassau Coliseum. 13,828 fans in attendance. Ed Dyke is the goalie for Vancouver. Billy Smith in between the pipes for the Islanders, and the Islanders get off to a good start. Bob Cook gets his seventh goal of the year from Dave Hudson and Terry Crisp. Time of the goal, 4.08, and it's one to nothing Islanders. But that lead didn't last long. Don Lever gets his 11th from Richard Lemieux and Bobby Lalonde, a mere uh, 17 seconds after the Cook goal and the Canucks tie the score at 1-1. But two minutes later, the Islanders strike again. Craig Cameron, his 16th from Ed Westfall and Brian Spinner Spencer. That goal comes at 625, and it was 2-1 Islanders. And the Islanders would add to that lead once more in the first period. Bob Cook striking again his eighth of the season from Brian Lefley and Dave Hudson at 1352. After 20 minutes, it was the Islanders three and the Canucks one. In the second period, the Islanders extend their lead. Cameron, his second of the game, 17th of the season, from Lorne Henning and Bill Mickelson at 111, and it was four to one Islanders. Then Bob Cook completes his hat trick, gets his ninth at 303 from Dave Hudson, and eventually, with all of this going on, the Canucks switch goalies bring in Dunk Wilson to replace Ed Dyke. It didn't help all that much. Billy Harris, the first draft pick ever in Islanders history, scores his team leading 21st from Jermaine Gagnon and Ralph Stewart at 11:43, And then Hudson, his 10th on the power play from Westfall and Gagnon at 14:59. After two periods, the Islanders leading the Canucks 7-1. Ralph Stewart, his third from Gagnon at 6-24, adds to the Islander lead before Andre Boudreaux, his 22nd from Don Tannehill at 10-52, at least gets the score a little closer for Vancouver. Ed Westfall scores his 13th from Hudson and Tom Miller, another power play goal at 11-21. And then with a little more than six minutes left, The Canucks close out the scoring on a goal by Bobby Schmatz, his 32nd from uh, Andre Boudreaux, and the final score, Islanders 9, Canucks 3. This was the ninth win in Islanders history. In that first season, they set a new record for for futility, finishing 12-60-6, but at this point, they were 9 52-5, and the ninth win in the history of the Islanders. Couple of fights in this game. Uh, Jerry Hart drops the gloves with Lever at the 12-minute mark of the first period, and then in the third, Tom Miller of the Islanders drops the gloves with Lever again. Billy Smith gets the victory 
he made a total of 26 saves to earn the win. And the Islanders get a hat trick from Bob Cook. Cook, by the way, uh, the Sudbury, Ontario native, scored only 13 goals in his NHL career. Eight of them came during this season in 33 games with the Islanders. And three of those 13 came in this particular contest. A lot of Islanders with multi-point games. Gagnon with three assists. Dave Hudson, a goal and four assists. Ed Westfall, a goal and two assists. Craig Cameron with two goals. And then Cook, of course, with the hat trick. Billy Harris and Craig Cameron each had five shots to pace the Islanders. Islanders... In their first season in the league, crushing the Vancouver Canucks 9-3 on this date in Islanders history, March 3rd, 1973. All right, so tonight, Islanders and Montreal Canadiens at the Barclays Center, one of only three games remaining for the Isles in Brooklyn, and it is more or less a must-win hockey game for the New York Islanders, the Canadiens on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. Here is a team that this season, 30-28-9, uh, 17th in the league in goals scored, 25th in goals against. So defense has been the bigger problem for the Habs. Offense kind of average. The power play struggling at 21st in the league, 18.5% success. The PK 19th in the league. They kill 78.7%. Carey Price, he has started 55 games this year for the team. He's 26-23-6. and 2.76 goals against average and a 9-10 save percentage, but they are asking a lot of him at this point in his career and not giving him enough support. Uh, offense, again, they are struggling. Thomas Tatar leads the team. He has 22 goals and 61 points. Brendan Gallagher, the only other 20-goal scorer on the roster, he has 21 tallies in only 56 games. But uh, after Tatar's 61 points, no one else has more than 45. Philip uh, Dano has 45. Max Domi, 44. Gallagher, 41, and Nick Suzuki, 40. But, uh, you know, a lot of players not putting the puck in the net for Montreal either. We look at the line combinations. Uh, Dano centers Tatar and Gallagher. That's the top trio. Nick Suzuki is the second line center. His wingers are Turi Lakonen and Joel Armia. Uh, Max Domi, the third line center. Paul Byron and Jordan Wheel are his wingers. And the fourth trio, the energy line, Jake Evans, uh, centering Charles Hudson and Dale Weiss. On the blue line, it's Ben Chiaro and Shea Weber are the top pairing. Brent Kulak and Jeff Petrie, the second pairing. And Xavier Wheelett and Christian Folan are the third. Carey Price backed up right now by Charlie Lindgren. And... Uh, Jonathan Druin day-to-day right now, so he's out of the lineup. Uh, and Noah Yulson and Victor uh, Mete also on injured reserve for the Habs. But overall, here is a situation where the Islanders are, on paper, the better team. 
I would expect a low-scoring game, but look, neither of these teams is great at putting the puck in the net, but the Islanders have more players who can score, and they are the home team. You're in a tight battle in the in the Metropolitan Division for playoff position. This is a game the Islanders absolutely have to have, and we talked about the next two games, home against Montreal at Ottawa, Two Canadian teams on the outside looking into the playoff picture. Ottawa way on the outside looking in. Montreal still kind of hoping against hope. But you got to get at least three out of four points. And this home game is an opportunity that the Islanders cannot afford to let slip by. So lots on the line for the Islanders tonight as they host the Montreal Canadiens. That's going to do it for us here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll be back tomorrow as we analyze this game against the Canadiens. We will have our weekly farm report and, of course, this Dayton Islanders history, plus a whole lot more. Make sure you join us for that. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review uh, on your podcatcher of choice and uh, some comments as well. That helps other Islander fans and hockey fans Find the podcast and helps us grow the Locked On Islanders family. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.